welcome back to Telltale Delta Podcast, designed for education and information around our four-legged friends. I'm Elizabeth Silverstein, a dog trainer located in Little Rock, Arkansas. I started this podcast to share viewpoints from other experts and folks in the dog world because I wanted to help dog owners make educated decisions on what's best for them and their pets. This week continues the three-part series on embarrassment. Last week, I shared about my experience as a, as a trainer, and this week, I interviewed Lauren about her dog, Drake, from Empath and Drake. Lauren caught my eye because she shares so candidly about her journey with her dog. She spent thousands on board and trains trying to find a way to fix her dog's reactivity, which started when he was seven months old. She eventually realized that the methods others claimed would work weren't working. I do want to add that we talk about some very serious methods and tools. My goal in sharing Lauren's story is to show the process that I believe quite a few people may go through when trying to sort through all the information out there and find help for their dogs. And Lauren is absolutely fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed talking with her and I can't wait to see where she and Drake go from here. Here's Lauren. Welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, and I have with me today Lauren um, from Empath and Drake on Instagram. That's Empath, lower score, the letter N, lower score, Drake, and I will link that in the description box below. Be sure to go and follow her and her gorgeous dog, Drake. Um, Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Elizabeth. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. And Lauren, you're based in Atlanta, Georgia. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. How long have you lived there? I have lived here for, a, it's going to be three years in October. Um, I moved okay. here from Jersey. Oh, okay. I lived in Jersey for, for a few years. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, Lauren, the reason I wanted to have you on, because I, I, follow, I followed you because of uh, John is for the dogs. I'll also link him in the mm-hmm. description box below. He has some really great content as well. But yes. one, of, one of the things that I really loved about what you're doing with Drake is that you're just, you're so vulnerable and honest about the the messiness that comes with having a dog like Drake. And mm-hmm. this is the second part in my series of embarrassed and, you know, what do we do when we get embarrassed by our dog? So first I want, uh, I would love for you to, to describe um, to Drake a little bit why you started your, and why you started your Instagram and what you show on there. Yeah. So Drake is a two-year-old pit bull and I would describe him as like the perfect house dog, but when his environment is unpredictable, he gets kind of riled up and overstimulated and he makes bad decisions. So his bad decisions um, vary from lunging at dogs that just stare him down, or if people get within our bubble, bubble he lunges. So like from a distance, he looks like he's like a well-behaved, perfect dog. But then like if someone gets too close or like steps into us, it's like he lunges and I don't know if he would bite. I would he's come close to biting before but um he usually just growls and sniffs but he's 70 pound pit bull so it's scary so anyway for me i when i first got him when i got him he was eight weeks and i heavily socialized him up until around i would say six or seven months he started not liking men and he would growl at his dog walker um and then when a woman would come woman dog walker would come he'd be fine or at daycare, he'd only grow out the male attendees. Somehow that translated to men, women, children, certain dogs. So 
for me, I think it's part of his um, maturity and like part of his genetics. But um, anyway, for me, the hardest part of it was realizing I didn't have a dog that I could take anywhere and I didn't have a dog that welcomed all people. And that was my expectation when I got him because it's like, oh, I have this cute little pit bull and I could meet guys at bars and get attention. And then like when that changed, I was like, gosh, this is like, it was almost hurtful because I was like, wow, like this extension of me isn't accepting of all people like I am. So Mm -hmm. um, there was a long time when I just like bottled it up and it caused anxiety because I was bottling it up. And I realized a part of like controlling his reactivity was controlling my own reactivity and my own anxiousness. So I figured out that like when I write things out and when I connect with people, it helps me kind of like process things. Mm -hmm. So it took two years, but I finally, um, I had an Instagram for him before, but it was just like a cutesy one that just like showed his puppy pictures. But this one, I wanted it to be more about our, our journey and our process and me processing my feelings. So that's how I came to start Empath and Drake. Okay, yeah, and when did you start it? Because it, is it, it's pretty recent as well. Yeah, I think I started it um, probably in June-ish or July. Because the reason I, have, I started it is because I also, I recently got laid off. I got laid off, um, I think, July 1st. So I was like, oh, I have more time on my hands, so why not start this account? So it must have been in July. Okay, yeah, that's great. And the word empath, so you, you talked about your anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you self-identify as an empath, someone who can feel, you know, other people's emotions? Yes. And I think that's another part of kind of how his reactivity affects me. Because it's like, I feel the stares and I feel the looks. And it's like, I take on that fear that other people have felt. And it makes me feel even worse about it. So um, I'm definitely, I, I'm a feeling absorber (laughs) and definitely an empath yeah yeah absolutely yeah I'm pretty similar too which makes me uh, a pretty good dog trainer but it can be challenging and then I've yeah I've had some situations as well this is something I I'm talking about in the first episode of the the podcast that's coming out today actually of just okay I'll go listen yeah i'll send you the link but that that's really it right it's it's not so much mm-hmm. about you know whether we can handle our dogs or not it's about what do people think if our dog is exactly that way. Mm-hmm. and that's where the embarrassment really comes from of this dog isn't doing what sh- they should be doing in this environment but it's mm-hmm. it was an unpredictable environment you know so exactly that's yeah that's a the most challenging part, I think, is like giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to not absorb what you think other people are thinking of you or what they're exactly, exactly. That's and you know, some people are like more vocal about how they yeah. think, so then you actually hear it and you're like, wow, that really sucks. They think that I have an aggressive dog, but it's like there's only so much you can do and there's only so much yes. you can care. So, yes, and I do. Um, so the if you don't mind us touching on the poop story a little bit but there's there's a lot that's going on <laughs> i know yeah um, with drake as a, a pit bull there's so much in our country even across the world that discriminates heavily against them and they've been set up to fail a lot of the time so there's like that you know weighing on with the type of dog that he is and then mm-hmm. everybody's mm-hmm. judging and i'm i will come out and say that i'm against bsl breed specific legislation yes. it does not work scientifically historically it does not work and still cities mm-hmm. are doing it and and this is a series i want to i do want to touch on but
but you have all that, you know, stigma and stereotype and, you know, everybody like saying things or judging you. And then, mm. you know, there's a situation that you were in, you know, regarding the poop. So let's, let's walk through that a little bit. Um, what yes. happened there? So <laughs> we were in like a, I call it like an alleyway, but basically it was like a narrow path between an apartment building and a post office where I usually take him because it's like isolated. And so he pooped <laughs> and then I, okay. as I was picking it up, as I looked up, a man was walking towards us and he was too close so that I guess I could go in the other direction, but I was kind of just trying to distract Drake because I got frazzled. You know, when you're frazzled, you just don't make a decision. Oh no, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, I'm like, why didn't I just run in the opposite direction? But anyway, so Drake, he did really well because he sat and he looked at me and then all of a sudden he caught a gl glimpse of the guy in the corner of his eye and he lunged and broke off his, um, he has a head halting. He, kind of like pushed through that with his nose and luckily it was a backup collar so he's fine and um to, but to my surprise the guy was like oh he's so well behaved but I wasn't expecting that and I'm like I'm so sorry and then he's like no no it's fine and actually it's funny that you meant you brought this up because yesterday I was walking Drake and I guess he lives in the apartment building that we were walking next to so he was up in his balcony he's like I'm, I'm much safer up here, huh? And I was like, oh my God. Like, no, no. He's like, he's a great dog. He's just like, I totally get it. I'm like, yeah, he has stranger danger. He's like, no, I totally get it. So he was like, Aww. very rare because people do not handle it like that at all. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so true. Yeah. So next time, definitely just leave the poop. I know because that's, that's exactly. also part of the embarrassment of like, oh, but I yes. have to be socially responsible. I have to <laughs> pick up my dog's right. poop. But I actually, yeah, like I said, I know a woman, we, we did a couple of lessons together, but um, I know a woman who was in a similar situation. She was like leaning down to scoop the poop and her dog started reacting and her finger got caught in his harness and it <sighs> snapped. So always, oh my God. always leave the poop. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's hard too. But yeah, most people just aren't understanding. And I find it's not, it's, it's just, I try to be gracious about it because they don't know, mm -hmm. like they don't know enough about right. dogs. They only know what they think they know. And there's exactly. a, a whole phenomenon around it. I have to look up the name of it, but there's this phenomenon where you like, if you think you know a little, you're so confident that you know a lot, right? And then mm -hmm. the, the rest of us that actually know a lot, we're like, but I know so little because there's so much more <laughs> to learn, you know? So it's just right. this vicious cycle. But yeah, yeah. always leave the poop. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a ticket that says that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, go back for it later. Absolutely. But leave it and take care of your dog. Um, yeah. So I wanted to rewind a little bit. So there was a moment that you you knew you wanted, you know, a, the breed that, that Drake is in that, that pit bull. And we can, we can talk about, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit about the different types, you know, of, of pit bull and, and how that breaks down. But there was a Thanksgiving mm -hmm. holiday where you met a puppy. And yes. Was that two years ago? That was before you, like, a little um, before you got Drake? That was, so Drake is two and a half, so it must have been about three years ago, maybe three and a half. Yeah. Awesome. And, and how did you, so how did it, how did that come up? Because you were visiting your sister? Yeah, so I was visiting my sister. My sister um, used to, um, volunteer for Pitbull Rescue and she always had like tons of puppies and I finally moved closer to her so I could meet them so there was this tan Pitbull puppy named Theo and he was eight weeks and he was just oh he was so cute and he would like sleep on me and fall asleep I took all these pictures of him and then when I had to, he was already spoken for like she already found a family for him but um 
when I had to leave to go back to Atlanta because she lives in Charlotte, I like started literally crying because <laughs> I'm like, this is like my son and I'm leaving him. So, and I was like, and no other puppy had really done that for me. So, and till this day, it's like pitbulls, I just connected them. I just love all pitbulls. I love kissing their ears and their cheeks. So I was like, I need a pitbull puppy. And um, I was able to switch to a job where I live closer to my apartment so that I could like come home on my lunch breaks. I'm like, this is a perfect time. And um, I started looking on Craigslist, which is looking back, not the best idea, but that's how I um, <laughs> went to get Drake. Yes, I, yeah, you mentioned, you know, that whole situation, and actually that's how I sort of found my miniature schnauzer, and now I know so much more mm-hmm. about backyard breeders and all that. I didn't know. I honestly, I thought I was doing things responsibly by finding like a breeder and not going to like a pet store but yeah I've learned so much since then so yes don't do a backyard breeder (laughs) (laughs) no don't do that um but yes so yeah it just it happens and and Mm -hmm. once you learn more about that world you see why but so you found him um and I know you mentioned that there was some you know some depression about being single and, and wanting you know Drake to help you meet guys too um, so how did, yeah. how did that all work together? So, and I don't know if I wanted him to, it was more so I was depressed. I, I've struggled with depression um, probably my entire life. And anxi- it's anxiety, in, no, it's depression induced by anxiety. So basically I get anxiety, overthink things and things spiral and then I get depressed. But yeah. anyway, so I thought getting a dog would encourage me to get more fresh air and walk and then you know go to dog bars and... Uh, then I then I thought through that I would meet more people because I was like staying in okay. a lot um and ironically I found so when Drake was about three months I started dating someone but I didn't meet him through Drake it was like through yeah. online but mm-hmm. um <laughs> I guess it kind of worked but <laughs> yeah okay and we and we touched on this a little bit where um you got you had him since he was eight weeks old and sometimes that's yeah. the mantra that people say it's not you know it's not the dog it's how they're raised but sometimes mm-hmm. we forget that dogs are individuals too so right you talk about you know the at about seven months old and that's a developmental period right so something was mm-hmm. changing for Drake and it didn't mean necessarily that something had to hurt him it's just that as his brain developed he was like oh no <laughs> right exactly so what mm-hmm. was what was going on at that time so when you say, um, when I first started to notice the reactivity? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, like, I try to tie it all together, but basically the relationship I was with, um, the relationship I was in when he was three months, it was with a guy, and he was African-American, and we fought a lot. And Drake would, like, see me cry, and he would see him yelling at me. So we broke up when Drake was about six or seven months, and the, his first bit of reactivity I noticed was only at African-American men. So a part of me was like, okay, is he doing that because he, you know, people, when you have darker features, they, dogs can't pick up on it and this is his fear phrase or did, is he correlating with that, that with the guy I was dating? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but then from there, it was kind of like, I became more tense walking him. So I'm like, okay, I can't have like a loosely lead with this dog that's like lunging at random people. So I think that kind of, triggered him to become more tense and it was it stopped being with just black men and it started to become with all men and then women and then children so um I don't know exactly what caused I think it was a mix of his you know maturing maybe a mix of my emotional experiences with men but um 
that's kind of how it presented itself. Okay. Yeah, and I want to touch on too, like we have it's important to remember all dogs are different and, mm-hmm. and this, is, this isn't for you necessarily, but for anyone who might be listening, just because someone's situation is a certain way, it doesn't mean that all situations will present that way or that, you know, not all dogs yeah. have the same triggers or need the same management. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And I think that's, that's easy for, for people to forget sometimes too. Cause I know, I know yeah. you know it. <laughs> I know mm-hmm. you know that. Um, so you were, you were experiencing all this and this is, and it's, and that's rough to be in a, a situation that is, you know, um, you know, where there's yelling and, and maybe not feeling safe. Like that's a, tra- 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 a trauma inducing experience too. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So Drake is going through that with you. What made you realize that you needed a trainer in the, after that experience? Um, so he actually had a trainer starting at like 10 weeks because okay. he was like a really bitey puppy and I was like more bitey than a normal puppy. So I was concerned and he like just didn't listen to me obviously because he's a puppy. So I wanted to just navigate how to con- work with that. So, um, I had a trainer with him and she was very, she was a balanced trainer and like she put him on a prong in like 12 weeks and like when he started to present the reactivity, she put him on an e-collar when he was entirely too young and didn't condition him. So that's when I started the trainer journey. But as you know, I've been through many of them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to delve into that a little bit more? It's totally up to you what you'd like to, to talk about. I know there's also been some trauma in, in that whole experience. Oh, God. Yeah. So I definitely can. So, um Basically, his first trainer, she was um, a lady that I paid for life, basically. I, I think it was like $1,100 and I get her for life. And she was really good with teaching him how to like sit, stay. Like she was teach- good at teaching um, structure, like to be in the crate, not to be in my bed, not to be on the couch. So I, I loved her for that. But when it came to correcting, she was entirely too harsh. Because I remember once there was a time when he was growling at the um, men at daycare who had to take him out of his den when it was time to play. So she's like, let's go to that daycare and we're going to fix this. So she told the guy that he he was growling out to come out. And he's like, okay, can you just reach for Drake's head? And then he did and Drake growled. So then she corrected him with the prong. She's like, can you do it again? And she kept on doing it until Drake no longer did it. But I'm like, this isn't solving... At the time, I was like, oh yeah, she's the best. But now thinking back, it's like that wasn't solving his emotional react his emotion emotional reaction it wasn't solving the actual issue it was just correcting him and making him feel pain you know what I mean yes yes so yeah. um so her, the whole process like that, and then when he started lunging she's like we're gonna get an e-collar and the first day we got the e-collar she didn't condition him and she's like let's go on the belt line which is like a really crazy part of um Atlanta and she's like when he goes to to lunge I'm gonna zap him at a 30 and she did it and Drake of course stopped but that night he kept on waking up and flinching because he didn't know like if the e-collar stem was coming. And then he yeah. defecated in the middle of my room and he hadn't pooped in the house in like months. So he was like, just, re- he was really traumatized by it. Yeah. So I was I'm surprised like, okay. he didn't scream actually. Like that's, that's high. Like for him to- Oh control. yeah, he did scream when it he happened. Did scream? Yeah, he did scream? Okay. Yeah, he broke the okay. lights for sure. Um, okay. So after that, I kept on working with her, but I'm like, something doesn't feel right. Something's got to give. So like I, one of my coworkers had um, a little puppy that she brought him to a boarding train. Her puppy was like, I think it was a tiny dog, but she was very reactive to people as well. So she's like, yeah, I brought him here, brought her here and it worked. So I um, went there to that trainer and I just wanted to talk to him, but he was like this very, um, 
he was almost like a spiritual healer. He's like, I could feel your energy and you just need to drop him off now because like this dog is getting too stressful for you because I was like about to cry explaining to him all the things that happened. So mm -hmm. I left Drake there and I told him, I'm like, he lunges at people or in some dogs, that is my issue. When I picked Drake up at the end of two weeks, he's like, okay, let's go for a walk. He's like, let me show you all the things he can do. He can sit. I'm like, my dog already knew how to sit down, stay. And I'm like, did you address any of his reactivity issues? He's like, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to do that. And I was like, and then he tried to get me to buy another week. And I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. So from there, I, you know, I, I hired some trainers to come into my house for consultations. And some of them, I could just tell that they didn't, Drake was too much for them to handle. So we went to um, a Jeff Gelman seminar. And of course, it was like a yank and crank. You know, he was like cranking Drake and people were applauding. And it was like a disgusting disgusting atmosphere um and he told me i needed a dominant dog collar to choke drake out whenever he showed reactions because that was the only way that I was going to stop him um my last board and train and my last real trainer i've used i guess you can say is um with sean o'shea and i like sean because he's a very like he talks very physical a lot yeah and he has like he has some good things that he says and it was like hitting home for me um and like he spent he lives in new orleans and that's where the board and train was so i drove there so he made sure to spend three days just talking to me because he knew i made the trip but then when i saw him handling drake it's like there was a point when um he he gave me the leash but then he went to go take it back and drake lunged at him because i think drake is kind of protective of me and it was like a half-ass lunge and he was like oh that was like a sissy lunge but he's like wait you know what that was unacceptable so he like takes drake hangs him by the leash and then like kicks him in the chest and he's like see what? yeah and it was like a light kick but it's still like the physicality like drake was like all right yeah. and he excreted his anal glands because he was so scared he's like oh yeah that's good because he was nice and scared and he's like see ideally you'd be doing this whenever he lunges at someone and the whole time oh. I'm just, I started crying. He's like, see yeah. that crying? That's what needs to stop. That's why you're struggling. And it was just like really jarring. And then I actually believed it. I'm like, okay, I'm being too emotional with this dog. and I need to be harder with him. And so he told me to do things like whenever he breaks place, throw a water bottle at him or, you know, knee him in the chest. Because if you don't conquer the small moments and the larger moments, he's not going to um, listen to you. So I went home and for the first two weeks, Drake was perfect. Like we were walking shoulder to shoulder with people and he did not lunge. But I think it became um, almost like trigger stacking for him because the third week it was like everyone we saw, it was like an explosion. He was just like, okay, I'm done being good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I called Sean and he was just like, I can tell you right now, you're not being hard enough with him. So I even, I can sadly say that like I've thrown a water bottle at Drake and he actually got like, a bruise on his eye and I'm like okay this is not the answer yeah. like I was it was terrible so from there my journey has just been like reading up on people like JJ following Instagram accounts like yours and others um, and just learning how I can form a relationship with him and not be and I don't want to use the word abusive but just unfairly harsh with him because he's struggling and the issue isn't that he's aggressive it, the issue is that he's trying to to protect himself because he he thinks fear is coming his way so yeah like it, it's that yeah i want to address a couple things there and um, mm -hmm. like and and it, it's it's a challenge i think sometimes yeah you know, when especially when someone is so confident and they're like well i'm gonna fix everything yes. it's like okay you you fix it and I, i'd love to touch a little bit on on what you said last time we spoke about this whole parallel between picking a trainer and, and diet culture 
because oh, that's, God, yeah. that's really what it is, right? And so there, there's mm-hmm. a couple of things. Um, I try to really coach people through dominance and submission theory. And I always say it's a theory because it's not there's not necessarily science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. what, and sometimes it shows up, both of those behaviors show up in the same dog where a dog like Drake, some people might label him a dominant dog, but he's petrified. And so he's yes. doing things that would be also considered more submissive because he's trying to get ahead of those fear, that fear, like, all right, I'm going to get hurt, you know? So mm-hmm. how do I, so like that doesn't work for a dog that is going to lunge and actually use their teeth and outright aggressive. And that's why I'm very careful too with reactivity because a a reactive dog doesn't mean an aggressive dog necessarily. There's Mm -hmm. so many different things that could be happening for why that dog is trying to have a loud display. And it doesn't mean that they have intent to harm either. Exactly. That's what aggression is. It's intent to harm. And not all dogs Mm -hmm. that show an aggressive display or reactive display have intent to harm. exactly and then what happens and why he he could be so good is it's that repressive training too right when we use and Mm. and dominance from humans is just is intent to harm that's that's all yes Uh, when we use dominance theory we're saying i am going to hurt you if you don't listen to me so we get a well-behaved dog maybe or we're just getting Mm -hmm. a dog who's not doing anything because they're afraid of that intent yes absolutely uh it's just yeah there's there's so many things that happen but then also too when we have that intent to harm and we dominate over a dog then what happens is that we're not correcting behaviors but that we're repressing behaviors just exactly what you experience it's exactly what Mm -hmm. it is right he's a perfect angel because you've repressed his responses and compressed them Mm -hmm. and then you see that explosion yeah right yeah, uh, it's, yeah, I, I try to, yeah, it's, there's so, so many things that go in there. And I also want to explain to, for anybody listening to what's, what's happening, because I know you've seen this firsthand, which has also been incredible to me that you, you know, trying these things and analyzing it and saying, this doesn't feel right. And that's where your empath mm-hmm. aspect is. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't feel right. I don't want to treat my dog like this. I don't want to bruise my dog. I don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. threaten my dog. So now I, I would love for you to talk me through what you're doing now and what are the, the management tools you're currently using and what was your journey from trying those repressive dominant dominating behaviors to now like, let me work with my dog, not against my dog. Yeah, so, well, I think the theory before was like, okay, you look at another dog, you get a correction because that's gonna lead to a reaction or you do a react, you have a reaction, I'm gonna correct you again. And it just felt like Drake was never doing anything right because it's like a simple walk. Of course, he's gonna look at a dog and it wasn't always necessarily to react. It was just he was curious and he was constantly being stimmed and it's so unfair. And also they even told me like when you're walking down the apartment hallway, if he feels like he's on edge, correct him. So it's like, he feels like he's on edge of correcting him. It just felt like we were, yeah, it felt like we were constantly in conflict so <clears throat> now what I do is I just try to honor him and then work with building him up. So basically like the first thing is engagement. So if he's looking at another dog, I can see if he's just looking cause he's curious or like if his ears perk up and he gets kind of stiff, then I just work on him looking at me so he can know, know that like when you look at me and focus on me, you're safe. Um, I also always, when I can, try to give him space. So like before, I'd always try to like brave things. I'm like, ooh, a, a person's walking by. I'm gonna try to walk as closely as possible and then correct him if he messes up. But now it's like, okay, a person's walking towards us. I'm gonna give us a, 
little space so that Drake feels safe and calm and then reward him for giving me eye contact and hopefully that space will get smaller and smaller with time and it takes a lot of time because already it's been two months and we're kind of at the same point but um I just knowing his thres thresholds I try to honor that um I think also I was so whenever he had a reaction before I was so focused and angry not at him, but at myself in the situation. And then I'd just be like, okay, the next day we're gonna try this again and keep on going after it. And that's what I didn't know about trigger stacking. So now it's like, if he has a reaction the next day or two, I always like take him to like a green space or a field and just allow him to just like sniff around and loosely loose walk. And it allows us both to decompress because I kind of heal from me being so hard on myself. Yeah. And then he can just like, you know, be calm in nature. Um, so yeah, a lot of, I'm not like, I don't want a trick dog. Like, I don't care if he can like sit pretty. <laughs> I literally just want a dog who doesn't lash out at people that get too close. So a lot of the engagement work that we do, it's almost just like training him to know markers and know when to give me attention, but it's not necessarily to have this dog that can do all these perfect tricks. Mm -hmm. It sounds like it's more about the relationship is like you want exactly. to the trick. Yes. Okay. And that exactly. is, that's really the most important part, I think. If if he were to like <laughs> tricks, why not? But if he doesn't like it, like, exactly. why make your dog do it? <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, tricks, um, no fault on tricks. And like, sometimes we do some tricks, but <laughs> it's yeah. not my focus or my like priority with him. Because honestly, it's just, I just want to like him to feel safe and happy. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. And how do you, so I know it's, it's still a journey because you're, you're really documenting this on your Instagram yeah. as well, but how do you handle your embarrassment and anxiety now? Doing oh God, yeah. yeah, so it's actually, it's helped me realize that I don't really deal with anxiety in other situations as well. So I actually started, so every morning I use, um, it's called like a tapping app. What is it called? I have on my phone. Oh, tapping solutions. And there's, you can tap, I don't know if you've heard of emotional freedom therapy, but basically there's different like pressure points on like your hand, your head, your eyes, the outside of your eyes, your chest, and you just lightly tap them. And as you tap them, you say things, you can just be like, okay, I'm feeling anxiety. It's okay to be feeling anxiety, but the app leads you through it. It's like a, an instructor talking you through it, but it kind of um, slows down your, um, your, nervous system so that you're not always like feeling some kind of some kind of sensation of anxiety so every morning i choose something to tap to whether it's dealing with anxiety or like dealing with defeat or you know at this point i'm dealing with job loss like they have different um topics that you can tap to so that's helped me just calm down my central nervous system i also try to um list 10 things that i'm grateful for and 10 things that i want to brag about so it could either be about myself. Some days I do it purely about Drake, if he's on my mind, but some days I just do it purely about myself. And that way it helps me give gratitude to my situation, also realize good things that are happening. So I've been faithfully doing that since I probably started the Instagram account. And it's really helped because the tapping helps me get past <laughs> bad situations. Like some days I'll tap three times a day. because It's like, okay, it's a bad day today. But um, it also helps me realize how far me and Drake have come. Um, even visiting my sister, like she has a dog that I didn't think was reactive, but he kind of is. And I love him to death. I love her to death. But she's not into the whole training thing. But just comparing how Drake was doing against her dog like was like oh wow Drake used to kind of be like that and he's come a long way so 
just taking the moment to realize how far we have come and that perfect isn't going to come tomorrow, but that's okay. We're working towards it. I love that. And I also love that you mm-hmm. document the um, successes, even when you're feeling like, oh, today was a failure, but you know, this yeah. happened and that was a big mm-hmm. deal. So that's right. so important too. Actually, at the beginning of every training session I do with clients, once we're past our initial content, I'm like, all right, what went well first? Like we mm-hmm. talk about what went well first, and then we discuss some things that maybe need to be adjusted or weren't great. And I've, I found when I, and even in my consult, I'll do it too. When I find that I really ask them to say all the things that they really love about their dog, that really sets mm-hmm. the tone for everything that uh-huh. comes after. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the training things? I know you, you talked about um, the if he's looking at another dog, you know, rewarding him for disengaging from that. And then I know you mm-hmm. also do some cool things like you do, I think you call it middle, I call it attention where, where the dog comes between mm-hmm. your legs. What are some other things like that for engagement that you use with Drake? Yes. So middle, I want to try to make middle a safe space. So he knows when you're in middle, nothing happens, but it takes some conditioning, which I'm not great about, but he knows middle, like the back of his hand. It's just, I would love him to like see a person and then come to middle and be like, okay, nothing's going to happen, but we're not there yet, but we're training that. So I do yeah. that. Um, tug, I really like because he's obsessed with tug of war. Like he loves that more than food. So sometimes if we have enough distance, when he sees a dog, I, it's kind of like um, lat. So it's, you see a dog, you get to play tug. So he, he has like positive um, connections with that. So tug is a really great tool. And also it kind of fulfills his um, biological needs because he's a pit bull and he likes to do <laughs> rough stuff and it kind of mimics animals. So he loves to do that. Um, I have snuffle mats for enrichment to just like relieve stress. I use Kongs. Um, but yeah, as far as the training when we're out, um, he knows, the good thing about going to all these board and trains is like, he knows a strict heel. He knows um, all of his commands. So I don't walk him in a strict heel all the time. I like to do loose leash, but I think the biggest thing is right now for us is just eye contact because it's really hard to get that sometimes when people are super close or he sees something that's really enticing. So mm-hmm. I know if I have his undivided attention that he'll, he won't react. Yeah, and I did, I, I really liked that in the video when you were showing the whole progress of him meeting your friend and your, your friend's dog or you visit that you mm-hmm. showed, you popped the, the treat in front of his nose and he just did not care. So, and you were able right. to realize what was happening there too, right? He was just like completely over threshold. He was willing mm-hmm. to get him back in that moment. And that's, it was so cool to watch that in action for you to realize it and see, okay, what do we have to do instead? So I love exactly. Yeah, I like taping when I can. It's not. I realized that I should have probably put it on a stand so I could use my other hand to help myself. But it was good to just see that because it's like, okay, now next time I know when my friend has more time, we'll take it slower and at larger distance. But yeah, that's really cool. Well, and to to circle back again, real quick, we we last time we talked about kind of finding a culture or uh, sorry, finding a trainer is like finding, you know, almost like diet culture, oh, even God, a lot yes. of like that, the self-help stuff or mm-hmm. you know, spirituality or religion. So, you know, you talked a little bit about like wanting those fast results. So what was your experience looking for help in that way? And how did you heal past that? Yeah. So I think when you mentioned diet culture, it's, it just, it resonates with me because I, I used to have an eating disorder where I just want to be skinny as possible. And I would try all the diets in the world. You think it's going to solve all your answers. So 
I compare that to looking for a trainer because every time you see their Instagram page or their website, it's like you get excited like you're about to go on a first date. You're like, oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the trainer that solves all my issues. And a lot of trainers and the cocky ones will be like, oh, yeah, I can fix that. And like, they don't tell you that it's going to be a process to transfer their skills to you and that it's not going to happen overnight. And it's, and after the board and train, they're not going to be quote unquote cured. Like it takes work. So I think just through trial and error, I realized like, okay, this isn't an overnight issue, but it, it did take time. And some people may be like, duh, of course it doesn't happen overnight. But for me, I was like, okay, these trainers were good, good salesmen. Like I thought they were going to fix him. So I think from like it adds up because really looking back I've been through seven trainers but each time I really thought that that trainer was going to be my last one because of the way that they sold their process to me um so I think it's just really important to be with trainers that let you know that it's a journey and that it's not going to ha happen overnight be with trainers that make you feel good in your gut so they do something with your dog that like makes you feel uneasy, like kick them or hang them out of the leash. Right. Um, just because they're yeah. quote unquote experts doesn't yeah. mean that they're right. Like for me, I, I have a lot of trust in people. So it's like, oh, you tell me you're an expert. Okay, I'm wrong and you're right. And it's like, no, like trust your gut and your own intelligence and don't just fall for this. Um, so yeah, I would say in an Instagram page that has all these like cool videos and this pompous trainer on it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best trainer for you or the best trainer at all so it's just important to really just follow your gut I think because I think especially women have good intuition so yes but um, we're trained to not yeah. pay attention exactly to it. Yeah. exactly <clears throat> no I agree and that's why I, I do want to do a podcast episode after this series on you know you deserve a nice trainer you know someone who's yeah nice your job. you absolutely deserve mm -hmm. that it does not need to be like another abusive relationship and I, I found personally too, because I'm, I'm, an, I'm older. I didn't start training dogs mm -hmm. when I was a kid. I didn't even do it when I was in my twenties. I was fully 30 when I became a dog trainer. So mm -hmm. I know what it's like to learn. And it took me a full six months of training dogs almost every single day to even be comfortable right. at doing it and like feel like I knew what I was doing. And then even there, I, I feel like there's so much more to learn. So when I can see like a client just getting uneasy or they're not sure if they're doing right. And it's like the simplest thing or it feels like it should be the simplest thing because I made it look easy. I just mm -hmm. remember, you know, what that felt like because you do have to learn those skills. And, exactly. and that's why I'm like, I tell people all the time, get video. That it, training your dog should not be a secretive thing. If a trainer does not have mm -hmm. video of them working dogs, then rethink that you should be able to see the process. Um, exactly and it's also important like I can tell you're a really nice person but there's some trainers that are just cocky condescending rude and they think they can be like that because they're the quote-unquote know-it-all but it's like I'm paying you a fortune and you're being rude and condescending to me like that shouldn't be okay and for a lot of people like for me I was accepting I'm like oh okay I deserve to be treated this way because you're a dog expert but it's like it's unacceptable Nope. Yeah, there's no reason for it. And you shouldn't be submitting mm -hmm. to that. Like I, yeah. it's choosing it. I mean, some people might need that. And that's what I've discovered too. Like I, I once hired a, um, a CPA that someone had recommended to me and he was like, so rude to me. And I was like, Oh, I don't like him <laughs> to her. And she's like, Oh, well, I don't, it's, it's what I need, you know? So I'm like, okay. oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> yeah, not for me, thank you. Um, but yeah, some people really need like a kick in the butt. And sometimes I'll compare like picking a trainer to like picking a massage therapist. So you gotta vibe with them. But you also have to know their methods, right? You have to know that, you right. know, understand that the, the methods are what, what you need or what your dog needs or, you know, that they make sense, that they're scientifically proven. You know, all of that stuff is mm -hmm. important. 
but yeah, exactly. but there's no way that you should, people should feel like going to someone who's mean to them and is like what they have to do to get their dog trained. Uh, it breaks my heart. Exactly. So, yeah. I'm like, and I've, I always tell people that try again with me after they've had a bad experience. I'm like, well, thank you for not letting that like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ruin wanting to work with a trainer at all. Right. So, exactly. It can be disheartening. Yeah. I shouldn't be like that. Well, uh, something else cool happened today that I wanted to touch on. You've been doing for some supplemental income since you're in between mm -hmm. jobs right now, you've been doing some dog running. So I saw yes. the whole story of the Labradoodle on your stories. Would you like to share about that and what happened? Yeah, so I um, went to a house and I was supposed to run a um, Labradoodle name um, Milo. And on there's always like a customer profile that you have to check out before you go to them. So the owner said that he was nice and friendly, blah, blah, blah. So I knock on the door and already, like I should have probably not done that if he was reactive, but I thought he was just like a friendly dog. Um, and so the owner answered the door and Milo was barking and lunging at me and like, when I saw him, I'm like, okay, that's Drake. But I also, it was weird because I could feel how the owner felt because I, I'm like, okay, I've been humiliated or embarrassed or like uncomfortable because my dog is doing this. So it just helped me to stay calm and like try to make the owner feel as non-judged as possible. So he doesn't say like, oh, I don't know why he's doing this. And he would like bang, hit his nose and say stop. And I'm like, oh no, you really don't have to correct him. Like I get it, I'm a new person, I'm a stranger. And um, every time I even like took a step or like looked at him, he would lunge and growl again. So I'm like, okay, that was too much. So <laughs> I would just keep on taking steps back. And I didn't look at him. Um, and so after a while, he like just, he calmed down as he and the owner were talking. So then his owner was like, you want to just take a little walk and see if you can take the leash. So he took a walk and then I took the leash and he didn't even notice. But then when we stopped to um, just talk again, he came up to me and licked my hand and I still didn't move because I'm like, I still don't know if something's going to set him off. And then eventually he let me like pet it underneath his face and like pet him. And I think we were fine. And next time there may be issues, but it was a very cool experience for me because it was like, oh, I always feel like people are judging me when Drake's reactive, but maybe they're just like confused about the situation and like trying to be respectful. Because for me, I was kind of just like silent and taken aback at first, but it wasn't because I was judging or thought he was aggressive. It was kind of just like, I'm trying to navigate how to figure out this relationship between us. Um, so yeah, it was just good to have that perspective and also kind of help me realize or understand how to act if Drake ever needs to meet someone at her door or because I haven't dated in a while since Drake's been reactive. So even if I date someone, just to show them how to handle the situation, I think I'll like feel more confident and less like judged or uncomfortable in that situation. And I love that too, because you brought up the whole breed comparison too. This was a labradoodle. Mm. This was the fluffy yeah. giant. They're supposed to be the friendliest breed ever. And exactly. having a similar, you know, reaction and, and issues to your pit bull, I think that again, you know, goes against BSL because it's not the breed has nothing really to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. Honestly, like in Atlanta, I feel like Drake is the only reactive pit bull in Atlanta. Like it's always <laughs> like another dog. Like all the pit bulls are so easygoing and like great. So it definitely has nothing to do with the breed. It could be any breed. It could be, you know, it could be how they're raised. It could be nothing to do with how they're raised. It, it, mm -hmm. People are, I said people, people and dogs are individuals is what it comes down to. Exactly. Well, Lauren, I've reached the end of all of my questions. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, 
I don't think so. I just hope that um, me and Drake are working every day. And I hope that anyone that's struggling, the hashtag reactive dog, that's what I first started um, following when I was struggling. And it just, there's so many great accounts and great owners sharing their experience and sh sharing tips. So like, I just hope no one ever feels alone because it can get very lonely and that everyone's experiences are different. Cause I look at other reactive dogs, I'm like, oh, what? they're only reactive to dogs and not people. I wish I had that, but it's like everyone's struggling somehow and we're all just trying to get by. So why not just share our experiences and get comfort from one another? This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your friendly neighborhood dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein of Telltale Dog Training. Music has been provided by Jim Giago of Seven Second Chance. Find him on iTunes and Spotify. Tune in every Tuesday for another episode. And Lauren, before we sign off completely, do you have any advice for someone who's realized they, they have a reactive dog and they're not sure where to start? Yes, I would say um, the first step would be to honor your dog and don't get upset with him. A dog that's reactive is telling you that he's not comfortable with the situation and that he doesn't want to be in it. So try as much as you can to just keep him out of the situations that make him reactive while you're figuring out answers. When looking for a trainer, make sure you see video of how he or she works in detail and make sure that they're treating your dog and you fairly and don't make you feel any sort of way um, in regards to being less than or not smart with your dog. Um, and just most importantly, have patience because it is a journey and it doesn't take weeks, doesn't take months, it might take up and over a year because dogs are very sensitive creatures and we have to communicate with them without English. So it takes time for them to understand. <laughs>